You're listening to Daughter Father Dance Podcast. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Boo. That's not proof to me they exist. That's just proof that you believe they exist. Prayer, first of all, it's easy. Secondly, it's effective. The God you love so much made me this way. Hey, Daddy, listen. That's well, my point. What I'm, you believe. I know, but okay, so what I'm saying is... Amen. Oh, gosh. Hey, welcome back. Are we having fun yet? Today, Dad and I are going to discuss something he and my mom referred to a lot when me and my siblings were young. Now, as you can likely imagine by now, my father has the tenacity of a beaver and the focus of an entranced cobra when it comes to anything he is attempting to accomplish or complete. He can stick with a task for longer than most people would ever care to endure. Case in point, while walking on a beach made of shell shards on a vacation in Door County several years ago, Dad located a fully intact shell and gave it to my mom with the enthusiasm of a little boy finding a caterpillar for the first time. He was so excited that he insisted upon finding one for me. This search took an hour and a half, and my mom and I nearly died of starvation. Dad's tenacity and endurance was likely fortified by one of his and my mom's greatest examples to their children. Growing up, my siblings and I typically heard, Offer it up! anytime we complained about anything. It would follow our whining about being too hot, or still being hungry after a meal, or, you know, when lying on the ground writhing in pain after slicing our calf muscle on a sharp protruding piece of metal from a neighbor's slide. Yeah, I'm certain it's why, as adults, the four of us kids rarely complain. We can carry out daily functions like finishing mowing a lawn after applying a tourniquet to our femoral artery. While other kids in our neighborhood were motivating themselves referring to things like the little engine that could and repeating the I think I can, I think I can, I think I can mantra, the Arthur kids were offering up and overcoming their discomfort by envisioning Christ lifeless and bleeding on a cross. Yep, you get the idea. Now, let's talk to my father about this. As a child, all four of us kids were at the mercy of one command, if you will, that you instilled in us um, that I think we all sort of nod to still today, and that is your famous quote of, Offer it up. Will you talk a little bit about that, about why that was such a prevalent focus for you and us kids? I believe it has to do with how I was raised and the nuns in the orphanage would use that phrase when we would complain about something. You didn't come up with that phrase? No, I didn't come up with that. That was something that was told to me that my earliest recollection was the nuns in the orphanage telling us to offer it up. And because I think that was a normal expression in the 40s and the 50s to quit complaining and offer it up. Right. But when we were kids, I had no idea. Like, that's new news to me that that it it was something you learned in the orphanage. Because, you know, I can talk about it really quippy like I did in my blog post about how, you know, if I severed my Achilles tendon and had to walk a mile, I just had to offer it up because, you know, Jesus laid hanging on a cross all day and died for us. 
So I could, if he could do that, I could offer up the, you know, a torn Achilles tendon. Or, and I'm being tongue in cheek. I'm making that up. But talk about that because I, to this day, affects me, right? Because if I'm struggling with something, instead of whining, like whining wasn't really accepted in our family because we always were met with, hey, offer it up. You're right. That offering it up, I believe, has a couple of purposes behind it. The first purpose would be to have you think about someone other than yourself, and that other someone would be, in my suggestion, would be God. When I would say it to you children, I was just repeating what I had been told when I was young, and it must have been very common back then because it was not a great revelation to me the first time I heard it because it must have been explained like I'm trying to explain it to you. Offer this up with the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross. Well, you don't mention that every time you say offer it up and then give an explanation. You just say offer it up and you assume that the person that you're saying to has an understanding of what that means. <laughs> but but think about that, though. Like, if, if you didn't have reference for what the hell does offer it up mean, you kind of would be like, what do you mean offer it up? Because think about, like, a whining kid, whatever the reason they're complaining or whining, and you say, hey, offer it up. That kind of sounds a little foreign, like, what? What do you mean offer it up? So for you and I, it's a familiar term that we recognize its meaning of. And again, you're saying it was common back in the the 50s and the 60s, so I could be wrong, but it seems to me like most people would be like, what? Janae, I think because we are in a Catholic environment, a Catholic upbringing, that was pretty common. And for you to understand what it meant, it's because you had an upbringing that reflected the originality of that particular statement. Right. I understood it all right, but I didn't always like it, especially in my bratty teenage years when I had pretty much had it with mom and dad's seemingly canned response to any and all my complaints. Gosh, dad, is that all you can ever say? I'm bleeding here. Ugh, God, Mom, not you too. Unbelievable. Well, in case you haven't noticed, Dad, I'm not Jesus. Offer this up. Offer it up. You offer it up. Well, fine, Dad, but I happen to have a broken heart, and I think Jesus would cut me some slack this time. Okay, come here, buddy. You better stop crying, though, or you're going to get the offer it up lecture. You know how fun that is. Yeah, yeah, I know. Offer it up. I'd like to offer you up. Yeah, I complained a lot as a teenager. But as kids and adults, offering it up was just part of our lives. I've never heard anybody in the business world or in sports say anything close to that. It's always been in the context of you're doing this you're going to stop complaining because you want to offer it up and not be a pain in the ass to your mother or your father (laughs) from your complaining and said, offer it up. This goes kind of into that whole 
conversation that you and I, and most likely you've had it with my siblings, about Polanka, which obviously you learned. Dad, whatever you're doing, you're, you're going to be able to hear that on the recording. Okay, I was just smashing an ant. Oh, great. Okay, let but me I won't that. do that when this is going. When we're when we're live on the podcast, I won't do anything except sit like a frozen <laughs> person with my hands in my lap and my eyes Dad, on the microphone. Dad, we are live in the podcast. <laughs> oh, we are. Yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. So. Let me go back to the whole thing I was getting ready to say um, before you killed the ant. So this whole offer it up, again, common in our household, you're saying likely common in a lot of Catholic households in the 40s, or excuse me, the 50s and 60s. But then there's also this thing that came in later in life about Polanka, which... Um, you know, not growing up in a Hispanic family, I didn't know Spanish, but palanca, a very Spanish word meaning lever, was another very common kind of conversation with you. Um, will you talk a little bit about the how you came upon that and its meaning for you? Sure. Well, it all started when I decided to make a weekend retreat at a local Catholic convent, and that retreat was called Crucio Christian Dad. The word palanca, as you said, is a Spanish word meaning lever, and the lever would be what I would call, I'm trying to think of a word that... Like to raise would, something up? No, I'm trying to think of... When I actually heard that word for the first time on the Crucial Weekend Retreat, it was explained to us men who were on that retreat weekend that it meant lever. And from the explanation that was given to us is an advantage that we could use in telling God our desires or our dreams or our hopes or prayers that we wanted answered. So palanca is a way of sacrificing your body, your attitude, your conduct as a prayer to hope that your prayer is answered. Now that's about the best example I could give you of what palanca means. Because I remember even as a small child, after you made the crucial, that you would go, we would go to the Blessed Sacrament nightly. To me, it seemed like every night. It probably wasn't every night, but I would often be up playing on the altar or trying to like emulate mass because, you know, I had that great fantasy of being the first female priest. And I would look down and I would see you with your arms outstretched, kneeling at the, on the kneeler in the pew, or even not even in the comfort of the kneeler on the pew that was padded, you'd be on like the stair of the, the altar and you'd stay like that for God knows how long. And I find out later in inquiring about why you were doing that, that you were offering up, you were doing palanca for a certain intention for someone. And that was like riveting to a kid and riveting in that once you explained what you were doing, 
it was it was affecting it was touching and kind of amazing for a kid to witness their dad sort of uncomfortable because it didn't look fun what you were doing you were holding your arms up for what felt like 20 minutes or something so i wanted i want to kind of talk about that because i think for me personally it's affected my life and the decisions i make i want you to picture in your mind a big boulder eight to ten feet tall eight to ten feet wide You have to move it because you're going to build your house right where that big rock is. So you don't have machinery. You have to use your own mind to figure out how you can move that rock so it will roll down the hill that it sits next to. So if you had a plank long enough, thick enough, wide enough that you could stick under one corner of that huge rock and then put another rock about halfway away from that big boulder you want to move and halfway in between the distance of that plank. All you would need is some weight on the opposite end of that lever to move that boulder. Well, palanca in the spiritual sense is the lever or the plank to accomplish a prayer request or an endeavor in your life that you want to go the right way. So when you saw your dad kneeling on the marble steps with my arms stretched out like our Lord Jesus was stretched out on the cross, physically you do notice some discomfort either in your back or shoulders or your arms or your knees, but you're praying in that position, either rosaries, some devotional novena, while you maintain that posture and you are praying for a special intention, family, friends, work, the world, neighbors, anything that your heart desires, you really want this and you are willing to go through physical pain and discomfort And so that's what I wanted to convey to my children, that if you want something and it's God's will, you show God how much you want what you're wanting by offering up a sacrifice. Palanca is the lever of sacrifice. And palanca can be done in ways other than physical. It can be done by like we experienced during the Lenten season, not just denying ourselves, but doing things that we wouldn't normally do. Well, one of the things that stood out for me, Dad, was how you would offer your palanca, not so much for things that you wanted, but things that other people needed. And that was affecting as a kid, to be witnessing a father and a mother who put themselves in uncomfortable situations, not just for the sake of uncomfortable situations, but to help as a, as a, as a sacrifice or as a fasting or as a, like you just said, a doing of something extra for the sake of another person. It's almost like, you know, you've taught us that the power of prayer, you know, the supernatural power of prayer, it's, it's, a, it's almost even scientific. Prayer is powerful. So in those moments when you 
were sacrificing for the sake of another person. Your whole analogy of the lever or the definition of palanca visually makes sense because you're literally lifting up that other person in prayer and in sacrifice. This is what we are called to to do is to think of the good of the other. Your palanca or your sacrifices could be for the common good of your own family, extended family, distant relatives, neighbors, communities. The common good is expressed in the desire for someone to be better off, healed well. Does that help? Yeah, and I think we'll always nod to the Christianity because of our Catholicism. But even if you separated that out, even though it's an, almost impossible to separate the palanca and the offer it up because it, it's grounded in Christ, right? Like that was the example you set as a father that offer it up like Jesus did, basically. But the thing that's really amazing about this concept of offering it up and palanca is it's not confined to a religion. It's how we should act as humans. It's the, the power that we all have collectively and respectively within a group of human beings to help each other. And so for listeners who don't necessarily feel, you know, you know how I feel, like Christianity for me unfortunately has become cringeworthy. Like when people say, oh, you're a Christian, I'm like, no, I'm Catholic. <laughs> Because the word Christian alone kind of makes me think of the antithesis of Christ, sadly, because there's just so much corruption in Christianity. I know what you're thinking. There's a heck of a lot of corruption in the Catholic Church as well. And you're right, there always has been. But Dad and I will be discussing that in another episode. Hold on to your hat for that one. But if you take that away, right, strip it down and pull the Christianity piece, not the Christ piece, but Christianity, it's really about a universal concept of humanity that we, like you said, Dad, that we are doing things for others. It's not just a me, 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 I, I, I world. We live in a collection of humans. We're together in this experience. And it'd be good if division and divisiveness would start to melt away if we started doing things for others rather than just for ourselves. You know, I think it's like the The little mustard seed of division is this egotistical, this is just about me kind of way. And Palanca and offering it up strips you from that. It takes you out of that mindset. It says, hey, this isn't just about you and what you need and want. This is about what if you could just offer this moment when you can't really get what you want up for another human and their suffering and their cancer diagnosis or The fact that they just lost a child to suicide or whatever it is, right? Or offer it up for the world in general that it recognizes its connection and its oneness. And the reason I say that is not everybody can relate to the Christianity piece, but they can relate to human kindness and human nature of love and doing things for others. Well said. Why, thank you, Father. Yeah, because uh, those who are not Christian have the same desires and wishes and hopes. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. She got really mad at me one time and said, because we were talking about you and kind of your effect on me, and 
she said, well, your dad does what he does because he feels like he has to as a Catholic. There's rules and regulations. And I remember get just rearing up in defense of that comment because my, my response was, my dad does that because he's a good human being. Because it didn't, it wasn't, to me, my dad and my mom's examples, your examples to me and to us kids, were never about just because you were Catholic. It was because you were good people. And again, that, yes, I think our Catholicism created that foundation of goodness. But it goes back to the thing about you being an amazing dad, despite the fact that you didn't really have a father to show you what a good dad was. You made a choice. You made a choice to be a man who doesn't just live for himself, but lives for others. And that's made all the difference, Dad, to me and to all of us kids and your grandchildren. Well, as a father, you always want the best for yours. For the fact that that lady told you that I only do what I do because I'm a Catholic and that's the reason why I do what I do. She's not completely wrong, but I look at that because I am a Catholic to love one another and don't do harm, but look for the best of all possibilities. I think she was half right because I believe my faith was uh, the manual Uh, for how I live my life. Indeed, Dad lives his life by the manual of the Catholic faith. It's both a bonding part of our relationship as well as some of the biggest points of contention between us. But no matter how I agree or disagree with him, I wouldn't wish for him to be any different. His faith, as confounding as it can be to me at times, makes him the man he is, the father he is. And on this subject of offering things up, I want to clarify that I don't believe that God, the universe, source, intends for us to actively seek out suffering. Yet the concept of offering up the discomfort of situations we're not actually thrilled about being in? Well, it's as much a part of my DNA as my Irish heritage. The concepts we've discussed here today get me through moments I can't fathom making it through. Like the time I sang a heart-wrenching song at the request of my beautiful aunt and uncle during the funeral of my cousin, their son, who chose to end his life on earth and head into the arms of the angels. The only way I could hold it together during the singing of that song, while I too mourned the loss of my precious cousin, was to offer it up for the rest of my family who was suffering unimaginable pain. I was fortunate, blessed really, to have a mom and a dad that modeled this for me and for Julie, Jared, and Jason. And though I complained about not having permission to complain when I was a teenager, it still fortified something in me, something that I think makes me stronger. To this day, when I hear the faint whisper of my childhood reminding me, offer it up, Nene, I smile and I do my best to turn my discomfort into a moment of gratitude or sacrifice for someone I care about or I love. Next week, we have a special treat for you. There will be a few guests with us who will substantiate or possibly challenge some of me and Dad's assertions about the past. (laughs) I actually think you're going to like it. So again, thank you for being here. 
And please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe, rate, and review your podcasts. And next time you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, maybe you'll have something now to fall back on, if you choose, that is. Lots and lots of love and gratitude to all of you on this journey with us. See you next time.